Hi, Tony. Thank you so much for taking the time. Um, I want to start off with, uh, um, so Zuckerberg announced the, uh, made the announcement for Meta, I think a few months back. Um, do you have any thoughts on the, since, uh, since you, you have been, uh, you know, in the VR industry for so long and you've seen the uh, industry grow, do you have uh, any thoughts on the Metaverse and um, the kind of development that's been going on into the Metaverse? Well, yeah, I think that um, um, it's it's very interesting what's uh, what's happening in this space because uh, we've all worked towards the metaverse since you know many years, and then suddenly Zook says um, Facebook is going to become Meta, and the whole ecosystem exploded. And what I've seen in these months is that uh, everyone, you know, is trying to sell itself as doing the metaverse is becoming a buzzword etc etc and this has helped a lot VR uh, companies to grow in this period because it's easier to find investments to find jobs uh, it's i see that anyway all the ecosystem is growing but at the same time i'm noticing that the real road to the metaverse is still i'm not seeing that many advancements i mean uh, as John Carmack says, to journal to the metaverse required a solution to many technical problems, like for instance, having many people in the same room. And at the moment, I'm not seeing many advancing advancements in that sector, for instance. I still see social VR worlds hosting 50 people, 60 people, 80 people, mm-hmm. or something like that, not thousands or 10,000 or something like that. So I see that there is a lot of interest towards the metaverse. Now also people coming from the crypto ecosystem is trying to uh, go on this hype. Uh, But I also see that, I also think that um, sooner or later we arrive at the wall, like we realize that the metaverse is still many years away from now, the real metaverse. And this will create some confusion in people, maybe a bit of disappointment. And I think we will get there soon in some years. But for now, the situation, the technology is not ready. Um, just to stay on Meta, just to stay on Meta a bit, uh, for a bit longer. Uh, are you surprised that Meta may, uh, are you surprised that Facebook made the pivot to Meta? And, you know, he pivoted the entire social networking company to, you know, being, uh, you know, uh, uh, as a, as a, uh, as a, I mean, as a Metaverse company. Um, are you surprised by that move? Um... Yeah, I was very surprised in the sense that no one was expecting such a huge change until some days before, you know, the the, the Facebook connect. There was this rumor about Facebook changing name, and even after we discovered that, no one of us was forecasting such a huge boom after Zuckerberg announced it because. It's not only that our environment has changed so much, but also that even consumers now know the metaverse well. So I was not expecting it, but actually I think it uh, it makes lots of sense because um, Facebook was losing lots of ground in the social space. So we've seen the latest um, quarterly earning calls that TikTok, Snapchat, etc. plus all the new regulations on iOS, plus all the regulators, institutional regulators, stopping that new acquisition by Facebook. So we are creating a situation where Facebook is not uh, as strong as it was some years ago. 
So they noticed also that they can't appeal the new generations as the previous Facebook was able to do. So they had to do a hard pivot and the hard pivot was trying to do something, trying to be the first and the best in a new technology paradigm. And that's very interesting. I mean, it's a huge bet. Uh, it's not something that usually big companies do this fast in such a disruptive way. So we don't know if the, this payoff actually is a very bold move. That's why no one was expecting it to be so strong because it's, it's not just a name. If you read the reports, there are internally the company is promoting people, uh, asking people to change their roles towards something uh, devoted to the metaverse. So it's really pushing all the company. It's not just a marketing stunt, they're really pivoting. And something is so unusual and can be a genius move that will lead Facebook to lead the new technology platform. Or it could be something too bold, made too early, and this can lead Facebook to disaster. So we still don't know. And that's pretty exciting to see what is going to happen. But for sure, it's good for us because it has accelerated the whole ecosystem. Would you be interested to work for Meta? Well, let's put it this way. Uh, uh, te- on the technology side, yes, they have an amazing R&D department. And, you know, working with my collaborators, collaborating with John Carmack would be like a dream for me. I'm also, uh, you know, I, I don't always agree with them and their privacy policies. So if we go beyond the technology side, I don't know. Let's see. For now, I'm independent, so <laughs> I can't avoid answering this question. <laughs> um, last question on Meta, and then we'll move on. Uh, how crucial do you think Facebook and Facebook slash Meta has been to the development of your uh, VR? Uh, not only development, but also popularization of VR. I mean, they made a huge bet early on in 2013 by acquiring uh, Oculus. Uh, so how crucial uh, do you think that uh, VR today would be VR today without Facebook or Meta or well, uh, I agree with what everyone in the community says that is that uh, the answer is that Meta, Facebook, whatever you want to call it, has been super important for the VR ecosystem because uh, it, thanks to its super deep pockets, it has, uh, it has, it has managed to uh, release a headset that is very cheap and has great content. It basically, is the secret recipe of the Quest. And this has accelerated a lot, the development of VR. And also, you know, the, um, the commercial, the ads that are put everywhere, at least in the United States, I don't know in your country, but in my country, there is nothing about the Quest in the street. While if you go to San Francisco, everywhere is buy a Quest, use Quest for exercising, etc. It's crazy. So they're investing lots of money in advertisement, and this is uh, increasing the awareness towards VR. Also, the new change towards Meta is creating a new market. So I can say it's been super important, uh, the support of Facebook. As I said before, I don't always agree with their policies and with their vision, but it's undeniable that without Facebook, we would have needed more years to VR to reach the current state. So we would have gotten there, but taking much more time. Uh, who do you think is the top VR slash AR uh, player in the world at this point in time, 2022? Well, it's still Meta <laughs> because it's still Meta because they, they own the, the market, basically. 
So they own the market in VR. They have a great mobile AR market with uh, Instagram and the filters. So Spark AR has many creators. So they are really at the forefront of both VR and AR. I think that's the, the most important company for now. Of course, everyone is waiting to see what Apple will do because also Apple has, you know, great uh, AR framework. It, has, it is working on headset, etc. But for now, Facebook is leading. Um, I think um, so. Last year, I think uh, we had. Uh, I think in 2021, we had more VR headset uh, VR headset sales uh, than gaming consoles. Um, with this in context, uh, which industry do you think is going to be um, most disrupted uh, with the advancements in uh, in VR slash AR? Um, yeah. Well, that's an interesting question. I mean, uh, we're starting seeing VR having comparable sales with some console like the Quest and the Xbox had some comparable sales, uh, as you said. But I think that, uh, you know, the gaming industry more than disrupted, I think that VR will offer at the moment just a new way to enjoy it. I mean, you can have the PS5 and maybe... At the end of this year, you can buy the PSVR 2 and enjoy VR games. Also enjoy PS5 games on your screen. It's just a new possibility. Uh, I think that at this moment, uh, I don't see really a true disruption created by VR games. I think that can be very popular, like this saber is demonstrated, but not, you know, this, um, I don't see this as a disruption for now. Uh, I think that VR per se can be more disruptive for sectors like training, you know, B2B because it changes completely the rules or remote collaboration, remote assistance, all those fields that for which VR really creates something new, like uh, a totally different advantage. I've seen many examples about how VR is much more efficient than traditional means of training, for instance that it's, uh, it's totally disruptive for the sector. Uh, regarding the long-term future, uh, I think that XR has the potential to destroy basically everything that has a screen. <laughs> because, I mean, as Zuckerberg said some times ago, uh, why in 10 years you want to buy a TV for $300 when you can buy a TV app for your AR glasses for $1? So everything that is um, that has a screen, like you know, the smartphone, the PC, the TV, probably we have all the screens that will become just applications inside our AR headset. And also some objects to decorate the house can become some decorations in AR, something like that. So in the long-term future, I see AR become totally disrupted towards many physical objects. But I mean, I'm, talking about the long-term future, so maybe 10 years or something like that. For now, it's just a technology that is at, is at its beginnings. Uh, since you're talking about long-term, are you, are you worried about this, uh, uh, you know, somewhat matrix-like scenario where people are just glued to their headsets, uh, you know, 24 by 7, um, and, you know, mostly living their life, mostly living their life through a headset rather than maybe uh, out in the physical world? Do you think about that? Uh, is that a plausible scenario? And, you know, not only in general, in the longest term, but also do you think in our lifetime, would it be, do you think we would ever, we would be able to see that moment? 
Well, uh, had, uh, the, the theme of addiction to VR or XR in general is something I try to be always informed about. It's something I'm interested in because, of course, I want VR and VR to be a healthy technologist. So I, I still think that, you know, at this moment, the situation is that, yes, it is possible that someone becomes addicted to VR or whatever, but it's just because VR can be just a mean to, um, to express another kind of problem. Just to make an example, it's not uh, when lots of people drink alcohol, but just if you become addicted to it, it's not because the problem of the substance of the alcohol is because they have some internal problems and they find these escapines to alcohol. The same can be from drugs, the same can be for you know, playing the lottery and all this kind of addiction that are out there. And VR has the potential, since it is a very emotional technology, to create this kind of problems for people, but just only for people that already had another kind of internal problem. So if they don't become addicted to VR, they become addicted to something else. I ask this question, I say this answer because I asked the same question to a psychologist uh, a few time ago, some months ago, and he gave me exactly this answer. I mean, everyone can be addicted to something. It's just because they they have an internal disease they have to you know, exploit. If we arrive to the moment, like, you know, Ready Player One, that we really live in another world 24-7, like the world society, I mean, that's another kind of question. And honestly, I don't know. Personally, I don't think so, at least in the, you know, the foreseeable future, like 10 years, 20 years, I think it's more probable that we have a persistent augmented reality. So we're in the physical world and there are some uh, objectal objects every time together with us. This is what I see more believable. Maybe in 50 years, 100 years, when we have the brain plug in the ma- of the matrix, we can live all the day in VR, but it's just, you know, we never even know if this will ever happen. It's just, you know, random possibility for the future. But for now, I would say no one has to think about this. It's uh, just very difficult to happen. Um, I think uh, for, for the scenario that we just spoke about, I think one of the things I feel that is essential is uh, that VR goes mainstream. I mean, it should be accessible to everyone. And, you know, I, it, I think it should be like a smartphone where almost everybody uh, you talk to will have a, uh, does have a smartphone. Do you think VR as a technology, I mean, right at this point in time in 2022, a lot of companies are betting on VR, you know, they're developing VR. But do you think that VR is going to be a technology which is going to be like the smartphone where everybody will end up owning a headset and, you know, everybody will probably have no choice because the technology would have moved so far that they would have to, you know, be part of that uh, ecosystem, be part of that. Uh, If that is the case, uh, what do you think are the challenges for VR uh, you know, um, to go mainstream? Well, for VR alone, I don't think so. I see VR more becoming, you know, VR, only VR becoming popular like, you know, uh, the gaming consoles or even a bit more. So uh, VR alone has the potential to be something very interesting, to be something that everyone has a friend that has it and, we know what it is, understand its potential, blah, blah, blah. But maybe it's not a potential to have 1 billion, 3 billion users. We are alone. If we 
talk about mixing AR and VR in a single device, I think that it has the potential. And the reason is that, uh, I mean, when you have something that can augment your reality and give your reality plus something more, why shouldn't you exploit it? It's, it's uh, the possibilities are so much so incredible that if you ever try the AR, you understand that there is really the potential of creating a total new platform, a total new world. And that's why I think it will become mainstream. But it will require some time. Like I said before, probably 10 years, 15 years. I don't have a clear prediction, but really a lot of time. Um, what challenges do we have to face? Well, first of all, they are technological. So I have to produce a glass that is lightweight, like standard glasses, but it has a battery that lasts at least one day because you there's no sense that the battery of your AR glasses lasts 20 minutes. Uh, the field of view is like one of the eyes. The resolution is perfect. It doesn't overheat. It is connected to, I don't know, 6G or 7G, whatever will be the connection at that time. And all in a super thin headset, uh, glass. So uh, at the moment, the technology is not there. When someone claims to, to have you uh, nailed it, uh, there is some optical expert that I know that answers with like i'm happy that i've been able to um to go beyond the law of physics because there are some things that are currently totally not possible just for the physics law so that's why this is the first challenge and the second challenge is also uh trying to win you know the it's more a social challenge is making people force people, I mean, invite people to wear something on the face every time. You know, when people wear glasses because they have some eye impairments, actually, they would like not to wear them. They would like to have their eyes perfect so they can remove them. So why should one of us wear glasses instead? This is something that some people complain with me. And also someone, the third reason is that should be a purpose. I mean, I see this potential but we should make everyone understand it. Otherwise, no, we won't have 1 billion people to wear it. And the fourth thing to consider is, of course, the ethical reasons. So we have to create a system that protects the privacy of the users, the safe environments, you know, digital identity that is preserved everywhere you go, blah, blah, blah. So there's a lot of challenges, not only technical, and that's why I'm confident it will take a long time to become. Um, I think at this point, I want to transition to uh, the kind of work that you've been doing in space for some time. Uh, so uh, you started your, I think uh, you started a company called uh, Emotion AR. Or em my, am I pronouncing it right? Yeah, yeah, it was my first startup. Yeah. Um, so you also wrote a, uh, so you started it. Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you ended up starting this company? Um, but also, uh, I read one of your blog posts. I think you wrote, uh, you wrote a blog post, I think. Uh, postmortem, a postmortem blog post where uh, you discuss kind of uh, kind of the mistakes that you made, uh, and also uh, you know how other people starting a VR business or any kind of business could probably learn from the mistakes that you made. Uh, can you talk a little bit about you know uh, how you ended up starting Emotioneer and uh, the the, mis uh, the mistakes that you made and kind of lessons that you learned? Yeah, I mean, I could talk about this for hours, but I'll try to keep it short. So basically, I started Emotion together with Gianni Rosagallina, that was my, um, you know, classmate of mine at Polytechnic of Turin. 
here in Italy and he wanted to do something new. He knew that he um, was very fond of computer vision, of new hardware, etc. And so he contacted me and said, hey, I want to get a startup, uh, join me, uh, let's do something cool together. So basically, uh, he started in that moment and we decided to buy the Google Glass to, to because there was lots of videos about Google Glass at that time. Google was promoting them and the Google founders were going in the streets with the Google Glass on. I'm like, okay, we'll buy them and we'll, you know, destroy everyone else. We'll become super cool and be the first in the world, these kind of things. We were so excited about the potential of the Google Glass. And then when we tried them, we noticed they were a really terrible device that de-overheated. The battery was not lasting. Uh, the co-worker comments were not working. It was such a disappointment for $1,500. So I was very desperate, but luckily my my buddy had a plan B that was the Oculus Rift Pikachu. I tried it and actually I fell in love with VR. I mean, I wanted to puke a bit, but I was super excited about being in another in another part of the world while I was in the office. So I said, like, "Oh, this is magic! I want to do this in my life." And the first thing we noticed that was the Oculus Pikachu. So you had no home scale, no controllers, no avatar, nothing. So we said, why don't we make Kinect that has body tracking with the power of VR, of the DK2, and let's get a startup to give the full body to the user. And that was a cool adventure because actually we made the system with many Kinects working together to get a full body avatar. We got lots of compliments. We won some awards, but the real problem was that we were just two techie guys with no idea of what business means. So we had no uh, idea on how to do the right marketing or how to look for funds and also to, you know, to have what is called a product market fit. So basically, okay, the product was cool, but who is going to pay to buy it? And we never tried to answer this question. We just bought something, created something that was technically cool and never thought about the money. And if you don't think about the money, you don't have money. And without money, startup doesn't work. <laughs> so that's my reason we, we failed it. It ended three years later with my buddy finding also a job in another very cool company here in my city. And now he's happy doing AI, so happy for him. While I kept doing AR and VR, also starting you know, another company and continue technology work. So uh, if I'm not wrong, your uh, this this company is called Hit Motion, right? Uh, and it's a VR game. Is that correct? Yes, our our company, our agency, has created, that is now I have this agency with another co-founder that is called Massimiliano Ariani, and together we designed this game that is a, fix, a fitness a VR game. And that's another cool story that could take you know hours to talk about. But basically, we started Hit Motion with a full body system. So the first version of heat motion was in space and you had to touch elements with all the parts of the body, the head, the knees, the, the hands. It was, and we noticed that people sweated a lot. They had super fun in the sweater. So something started you know, coming to our mind. Then when we started New Technology Workers, after a while we had the opportunity to collaborate with HTC China for the launch of the Vive Focus Plus headset. We proposed them to create a new version of Hit Motion for 
fitness VR or fitness XR because actually the game was in mixed reality. It was the first fixed fitness game we passed by VR. And they accepted our idea and they supported us in bringing this game to the market. And it was amazing launching it, you know, in Shenzhen, China for a little Italian team, uh, being there and launching a game, speaking in front of Chinese people that were not understanding what I was saying. It was pretty fun and interesting. And after we launched it, uh, there was a moment also, you know, so that was the second life of it motion. And the third one I started in 2021 when we ported it to the Quest. Uh, at first in VR and then also in past VR, and now it's an app lab and people can play it. So I hope everyone wants to try this game. And it's fun because we made it just because we want the people to stay fit while having fun. So that's the the purpose of it motion. So you move a lot, you punch objects, you move around, and you sweat a lot. You're super tired after a few levels, but you had fun. And that's I think it's one of the possible futures of staying fit. You know, in the next five ten years. Um, what do you think? Um, before I ask, uh, I was going to ask the, I was going to ask. Anyways, um, I just want to touch on COVID a little bit. Uh, what do you think has been the impact of, uh, you know, COVID on, uh, on the, uh, not on the application, but uh, on people using this technology? Uh, do you think it's really had a huge impact, or was it like a small incremental impact? Uh, it's complicated. I mean, I think that COVID has not impacted a lot for what concerns the VR market, so the VR users. Um, in fact, there were many articles about, hey, but why people are not buying VR now that it's the COVID, it should be the ideal technology, blah, blah, blah. Everyone was complaining about this. So it has helped a bit because I know some friends that maybe bought a headset to stay fit at home. Maybe with our game, maybe with others, but uh, in a funny way with the Quest. Uh, I know some people also to stay connected with friends about the Quest or something like that, but it has, there has not been that explosion. I mean, the explosion is more happened after the launch of the Quest 2 and, um, and the meta announcement by Zuckerberg. But I have also to say that regarding our market, so uh, the products, business usage, etc. Uh, COVID in the end has destroyed some companies like the ones all betting on uses of VR in real events. All that sector, marketing sector has been wiped away. Uh, while it has helped a lot of other companies like the one providing XR meetings. So I think that the net value of the COVID has been that is anyway also accelerated the, <clears throat> the development of VR and AR, but is not being so much important like it has been, I don't know, for Zoom. So Zoom has literally exploded during the pandemic. VR has improved, is in, has had increased usage, but not that huge impact. Um, I think finally, um, what do you think is the immediate future for this industry in the, in the, in the next, not in the next 20, 20 years or 10 years, maybe in the next just two years, two to three years, uh, what do you think? Uh, what shape do you think is the industry going to take? Well, uh, two years, I think the next two, two years will be very, very important for our ecosystem. So um, I imagine that in this time, uh, for sure Apple will launch its headset. Uh, so that, and at the same time, Meta will launch other devices. Probably Samsung will enter the market. Microsoft is already in. 
uh, I think we'll see a, a big acceleration of the sector. I'm pretty convinced in this choose the last three years we are in the in that moment when the curve goes from flat to racing. So we are in that moment, I think. And so we'll see a very fast acceleration of the sector. Probably it's the time that we understand who among the, the first pioneers will actually grow with the technology and what are, who other will remain, you know, as a, an old pioneer without having success and what new players will arrive, etc. I think this will be very important years. I don't think that now Excel is going to become mainstream, but mainstream in the sense like the smartphone. But I think that is in two, three years, the hacker in the AR can become mainstream in the sense that everyone knows about them. Everyone uh, knows the potential, knows some devices, has tried them, has a friend that has them. It's not weird to wear a glass in the street or this kind of stuff. So I think it's uh, we'll enter the real road towards becoming mainstream. So this is the moment to really enter this sector. Mm-hmm. On that note, uh, Tony, thank you so much for taking the time today. Um, I had to reschedule one. Sorry about that. And uh, but uh, it, it's, I'm happy we could do this. And thank you for taking the time.